Well, 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 hello folks, and welcome to We The Peeps special miniseries, She, The Peeps. I'm Clayton, and I'm a rapper. I'm Kwame, I'm a doctor. And the We Love The Nats, The Good Nats. It's We The People. It's We The People. It's We The People. Well, folks, welcome to a uh, to a very special episode of We the Peeps. This, of course, is the She the Peeps miniseries in which we will be discussing the U.S. women's national team, the Nats, the elite Nats, the good Nats. If this is your very first time ever checking out the show, just uh, be aware that this is a uh, special miniseries that we've been doing. And uh, it's a little different than normal. We generally cover the men's national team. Uh, I generally do that with my brother and manager of a web design company, Tai Fujimura. But today, instead, I have the pure joy and good fortune to be hanging out with my friend Kwame, the Kwamdas, the Kwaminator, uh, to discuss some lady nats, some awesome lady nats. And uh, we're we're quite excited about that. It's a it's a new venture for the show, and I'm learning quite a lot. So today we are going to be reviewing two friendly matches: uh, the first versus Australia, Australia, and the second versus Belgium. Uh, so we're going to dive into both of these games, talk about them inside, outside, all the way around, and it's going to be a blast. Remember that if you're enjoying the show and you just love it so much, uh, there's there's a few action items that I'd like to put on your radar. The first one is if you want to hang out with uh, Ty and kind of by association myself and also by association the Quamdas, you can always follow the show at WTP Pod. That's Wilbur Tango Pizza Pod, uh, and that's a great way to uh, get to know us on on Twitter with the tweets. Uh, the other thing, folks, is if you if you enjoy the content co- that we're, uh, we're, we're working on and presenting to you lovely fine folks out there in the world, please do shoot us a five-star review uh, on whatever streaming podcast service you are using. Uh, that helps us a lot. It helps us climb the ranks and hopefully one day aspire to be uh, something that akin to what this elite national team will be discussing today is uh, something with history, something with an established uh, history of success, of winning, of, uh, of passion and genuine talent. The, the gold star standard uh, for soccer in the world is the USWNT. Ninja Turtles. So the way we're going to break this down, folks. Oh yeah, and and one last quick note, which we mentioned on the last show, but I really, it's really important to me and close to my heart, which is that we are indeed two dudes talking women's gnats, and it is very, very important uh, that we include if we can. For that reason, I'd like to shout out as I did on the last pod the uh, podcast, which you can find on SoundCloud called Two Drunk Fans. Uh, Kwame, do you have any other places that people can go if they want more content about this team? Yes. So I have two uh, new sources to tell people about. Both of these are authors and reporters rather than podcasters. Uh, The first is Caitlin Murray, who recently wrote a book called The National Team, The Inside Story of the Women Who Changed Soccer. Uh, And so it's a book 
again, talking a lot about the history of the national team, but moving forward to today. Uh, and I believe she's also written articles and given interviews about things affecting the team as it stands today, including the lawsuit um, that the team has filed against U.S. soccer, which we haven't gotten into uh, in any of the uh, podcasts yet. But she's someone important to hear about. Uh, and then there's also uh, Meg Linehan, who is a writer um, who's now writing for The Athletic, uh, and she was formerly employed by NWSL uh, and covers women's soccer, including NWSL, for The Athletic. So two uh, more people to uh, learn about this team from. Lovely. Yeah, please do that, folks. Shall we uh, dive in? Shall we, shall we start breaking down these games, Kwame? You feeling ready? I'm ready as I'll ever be. Beautiful. So what we're going to do is we're going to start by just talking about the Australia game. We'll we'll talk a little bit about that, and then I'll recap the Belgium game, and then we'll kind of uh, go big picture, bigger picture. So let's start with this uh, Australia game. Folks, the, the starting lineup here was Alyssa Nair, both gloves. Line them up, elites. Alyssa Nair, both gloves. Uh, we're going to have Emily Sonnet in the right back slot, the much-discussed right-back slot. Our two center backs are going to be Becky Sauerbrunn and Abby Dahl-Kemper. And then in the left-back position, we're going to have Crystal Dunn, the versatile, the utility belt. Uh, Crystal Dunn can play anywhere. In the midfield, we'll have Lindsey Horan, uh, Julie Ertz, and Rose Lavelle. And then up front, we're going to have our... Our famous three, Tobin Heath, Alex Morgan, and Megan Rapino, our number ones. This is uh, ostensibly a, a, an actual starting lineup for the Nats, and that's exciting stuff because Australia is the real deal. These are both teams projected to potentially win the whole thing. This game was, in general, like a Rock'em Sock'em Robots battle. There was lots of goals, lots of subs, lots of action. If you blinked, you missed it. The The first half included a, a couple goals. One, firstly, from Alex Morgan uh, around the 14th minute. She she receives a pass and in the air, shrugs off an Australian defender, and then shimmies a second defender, open-foots this one on her way to the turf, slots it into the right side of the net uh, for her 100th, folks. Count them. Count them up. Count them all. 100th. Goal. Beautiful open-footed finish. Uh, unfortunately for the USW Ninja Turtles, uh, Devana, what's her, what's her first name? Let me check this. Uh, Lisa, Lisa Devana in the 29th would uh, bring it back to a tied score line, and all of a sudden, uh, the commentators are discussing U.S. blowing leads and their weak defense. We'll see how that goes. Jumped into halftime, came back. It gets worse for us, folks. Caitlin Ford of the Australian team, off of an assist from Sam Kerr, finishes a beautiful goal and absolutely shreds Mewis in the process. Uh, So we're looking at a 1-2 scoreline at this point. Uh Uh-oh, rut row. No worries, though. In the 52nd, 60th, and 66th, the U.S. would come right back, roaring into the lead with a goal from Tobin Heath, uh, another goal from Megan Rapinoe. That was a solo 
shiner, an absolute stunner. And then finally, uh, Mallory Pugh comes into this game in what I believe is her hometown and scores pretty much instantly. The game would then be topped off in the last 10 minutes with a couple more goals. Sam Kerr got her goal in the 80th off of a header. She was quiet the whole game, but she made her mark. And then lastly, uh, Alyssa Nair, uh, you know, a little time-wasting, a little gamesmanship, scoops the ball up, uh, gives it a nice solid punt up to the front. I don't know if she planned for this or was just trying to get some time on the clock, but Mallory Pugh ate up some ground, caught up to it, and volleys the keeper illustriously. This game would end 5-3 to the U.S. Kwame, uh, coming off of this, what were your first impressions? Well... My first impressions are that this is uh, more of the of what we've come to expect from this team, both in the positive and the worrisome. Um, five goals against a very good team. I think they said at the top of the podcast that Australia's current FIFA ranking is number six in the world, uh, but they could be higher than that. Uh, and we put five goals up on the scoreboard against this team uh, and probably should have won by more goals. We threaten their defense almost all the time. Uh, we were offside so many times, and if we just timed runs better, I think we really could have put this team away much sooner. Uh, but we continue to have worrisome signs about the defense. Uh, three goals in a game of this nature really shouldn't happen. Uh, and so we've got a lot of depth. We've got a lot of moving pieces. We're a very versatile team. We're a very scary team. Goals can come from anywhere. But I think we still haven't solved the defense, and in some ways, we haven't solved how the midfield is going to help the defense. Because those are kind of my takeaways. So let's start with why the goals? Why are the goals happening? I mean, three goals against, five goals for is great, but three goals against is concerning, and that's enough to lose any game. Why are these goals happening? Were they individual moments of brilliance, or is there something systematic in the U.S. scheme? Of Australia's three goals, one of them was what I would describe as an individual moment by Sam Kerr, who we've discussed before is maybe the, one of the best strikers in the world. Uh, and she scores off of a header late in the game. It's a nice cross. The defense is in the right position, but she jumps high enough and is strong enough and she heads the ball in the far corner. And, uh, you know, a player that good every now and again is going to score a goal like that. And, but, and you know, you sort of throw up your hands a little bit. But against a team like Australia, I think you want to limit them to that. If they score a goal off of their own excellence, okay. But then the two other goals that we gave up against Australia, those goals were more um, symbolic of the problems that the U.S. has been having. And what are those problems? Well, I think they're, um, one is personnel in the back line. Uh, and so, for example, we have Emily Sonnet playing right back today, filling in for the injured Kelly O'Hara. And Sonnet had a pretty good game offensively. She actually had two assists, um, but she got caught very badly out of position on the first goal Australia scored. Uh, she's playing at right back, but Sonnet is actually um, a center back uh, with her club team. So she's playing a bit out of position. And Australia got the ball in the midfield, and all three of our midfielders were out of position. Julie Ertz, uncharacteristically, 
gambled and lunged for a ball and it got passed around her. And so it was three Australian attackers running at our back line who were all retreating without any midfield cover. And Sonnet, as the right back, should have been covering Lisa Devanna on the left wing. Uh, but she got sucked way in, almost to the center, almost to the center spot. And then when the ball went out to Devanna on the left, uh, she couldn't get out there in time to recover. Devanna had time to settle, line up her shot, um, and hit it hard and high at the far post, and there had no chance. Uh, so that is a problem both in how the midfield got caught out, but then... Uh, also a personnel question. Um, Sonnet, as I said, had a good game, but in the sort of heat of battle, she reacted like a central defender rather than a right back, and um, and Australia punished us for it. Yeah, and that that points to the the question marks in that position in general, um, mm-hmm. which is the the one position as we discussed on the last episode that we're kind of uncertain about with this team. Lisa Devana, by the way, who uh, had had a fantastic game. She, she, uh, let's see. She came out uh, in the second half, early-ish in the second half, and and maybe I don't know. Maybe that's you know for minutes. I I think she's on the the la- later stages of her career, so a little bit of uh, minute management going on. But she had a great game and earned herself a pretty sweet goal in that moment. The uh, the Caitlin Ford goal, on the other hand, was kind of another. Another goal in transition, uh, an assist from Sam Kerr on this one. Caitlin Ford definitely cuts it up. So uh, when you said one was individual, I, I almost thought maybe it was this one, just because of the skill she showed in that moment. But what was the what was the systematic deficiency on display here? Yeah, I perhaps it'd be a little unfair to Ford. I would, maybe I'd say it's half individual um, excellence and half systematic and. What I'm pointing out with the U.S. is, again, we sort of get caught in the midfield and then the defense doesn't react as well. So for that goal, um, the U.S. started out with possession. Lindsey Horan um, gives the ball away uh, uncharacteristically, but then the U.S. wins it back. But then Julie Ertz uh, gives the ball away, trying to find Alex Morgan, again, uncharacteristically. And then the ball comes in. Uh, and there's a nice dummy, and the ball ends up with Caitlin Ford. She pulls a spin move on Samantha Mewis, who had just come into the game at halftime, replacing Roosevelt. Uh, and it's a very nice turn. Uh, and she beats Mewis a little bit, but then Mewis slips. Uh, and that really opens her up. And then Ford drives into the box. Uh, and I think the defense doesn't really react as aggressively as it could to close off her space. And then she gets in a nice shot using uh, Abby Dahlkemper, the defender who's sort of stepping towards her, as a shield into the far corner. So it was a really nice goal by Ford, but it also um, had two giveaways in the midfield so that the midfield was pretty out of position and the defense was starting to step up and then all of a sudden the ball is coming back at them. It may just be that the DNA of this this uh, US team is to kind of heavy metal, you know, go for it and outscore the other team. Do you think that's sustainable and do you think it's fixable uh in the short months that we have before before the World Cup? I do think that it is unsustainable if we want to win the World Cup. 
Uh, if we want to make a deep run into the World Cup, if we want to have exciting games, um, then yes, absolutely. And I think, but that I think that's for a couple of reasons. Um, if there was just one big team that we had to beat, I think that we could do it this way. But as we've talked about before, since there are so many rivals, um, we might have to win three games against really good teams this way. And I think the likelihood of that is low, that there's going to be some day where we give up the goals and the, the goals just aren't going into the net for us. Uh, and, you know, whether that's in the semifinal um, or the final or quarterfinal, that I think that that's, you know, you just can't roll the dice that way that many times um, and have this leaky defense and win the World Cup. Well, I tell you what, Kwame, as if, as a as kind of from a spectator standpoint, I don't mind this at all. Uh, as far as like just watching these games, this was this was a roaring uh, tie, and it, it was it was a joy to watch. And one last super congratulations to Alex Morgan, uh, who scored her hundredth goal, and one last mini congratulations to Mallory Pugh for scoring twice in her hometown. Uh, sp- speaking of congratulations, we should probably kind of transition into Belgium here so that we can uh, be free to speak about all things that have happened. Uh, and and it's a nice transition on Alex Morgan's uh, sort of general celebratory Alex Morgan career moment uh, because this game versus Belgium really was uh, an absolute celebration on multiple levels. Um, so first I'll, I'll dive into the starting lineup and... Uh, that goes as such. Folks, line them up again. Line them up. We got Alyssa Nair in goal. Uh, this time we're going to see Ali Krieger in that right back spot. Trying to answer that question. In the center midfield, as I go through this, be aware. This, this, this is a, a, a slightly weaker side, Belgium is. And so we got to see a lot of players who are trying to earn their spot. We got to see uh, some cusping players for the roster. And we got to see some experimentations. Uh, from Jill Ellis to see who can do what. So in the center back spot to start, we had Becky Sauerbrunn and Julie Ertz. And then we had uh, Tierna Davidson in the left back spot. In the midfield, Lindsey Horan, Crystal Dunn, and Samantha Mewis. And up front, uh, it was Mallory Pugh, Carly Lloyd, and Kristen Press. It would end 6 nothing to the U.S., but it didn't always feel that way because, as you've mentioned to me before, Kwame, these, these, this team is a team of absolute competitors. And in every moment, the, the, you would have thought that the U.S. was trying to come back from behind. So it started with the illustrious Carly Lloyd getting her brace within a span of, of five minutes, uh, both uh, in the air, goals in the air. We'd get to see another one from uh, uh, another bunch of goals in the air from Lindsay Horan, Samantha Mewis, uh, and Jessica McDonald's right at the last. Um, uh, but don't forget, uh, Carly Lloyd assist to Alex Morgan. That was our uh, the only goal from from the feet, so to speak. Uh, Alex Morgan slotted that away in the 52nd. Uh, one last thing to mention uh, here is that Jessica McDonald came in trying to earn a, a roster spot, didn't have a great game overall, but snuck in a goal right at the end. And I think that does a lot to the perception of what she can do. Uh, but it's important to remember that she definitely missed uh, an open net chance. Um, I say it was a celebration it, it, because it, not only did we score six goals and, and Carly Lloyd looks strong as ever, 
Um, but we also got to see the 99ers in the stands and at the, during the halftime performance and even in the broadcast booth. Just 99ers everywhere. 99ers all over the place. And that was pretty cool. It, uh, it gave me a, a, a greater sense of this team's history and uh, heritage. And um, it, it was really cool as well to see how genuine and authentic the support from the 99ers for this current group is. Uh, really, really genuinely special stuff, and it and it gave me some perspective on what we're doing with this podcast in general by uh, bringing in you know a little bit of a little bit of content on the women's national team because I actually think that 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 there's there's something happening in the world. The world is coming around to this game, and that has a lot to do with what the 99ers did, what that group did. And um, so that that was that was just exciting to see, Kwame. For you, we you know we we came off the field six nothing victors. What were your first impressions from this game? Well, I think um, my first takeaway is that although some teams, the elite teams, are catching up athletically uh, to the U.S., uh, there are plenty of teams for which the U.S.'s advantage in speed and height and uh, ability is just uh, still massive. Uh, and we really took apart Belgium, uh, you know, four goals off of headers and, uh, you know, the game was pretty much over. Um, so that was my first impression. And then I guess another one is, again, as you pointed out, this was very much a changed lineup. Uh, Belgium, you know, is a team on the rise, but really with a lineup mostly of people who would be substitutes in the World Cup, as we expect, we we really put on a dominant performance. Uh, so the U.S. really has still probably more depth than just about any team. Uh, you know, when no, you it's Carly crazy. It's, off it, the bench. it reminds me from, from the uh, men's side of the game of playing like a team like Spain, where it's like all, it can be all backups, and it's still mm-hmm. like absolute fire out there fire emoji all over the place yeah i think Kristen press had three assists in this game um in her in her deliveries off of set pieces uh and she is probably the third choice person on the team for for set pieces maybe even fourth choice but you know she showed her quality uh today um with her deliveries so uh, the de- as I said, the depth is just really incredible with this team. The competitiveness um, is really incredible. The goals came from all over the place. Uh, I think also my takeaway is um, still some of the experimentation with the back line and the midfield and what this team can do. Uh, Julie Ertz, who for the last World Cup was a central defender, but since then we've moved her into the defensive midfield role and she's really shined at that role. But for this game, she started off in the center of defense because uh, I think, you know, there's still question marks about the center of defense and what our best defensive line is. And some people would argue that she's still our best, she's both our best defensive midfielder and our best center defender. Uh, and so where should she play? Uh, so that was interesting. And then also uh, Samantha Mewis um, starting in the midfield. Uh, Roosevelt picked up a, a ankle injury, I think, the day before the game in training. And so she was out. 
And uh, I think Samantha Mewis came in in her place. She might have started anyways. And I think her presence, again, uh, solidified the midfield. Belgium didn't have a lot to offer, but uh, but Mewis, I think, offers more than Lavelle as a two-way player. Uh, and sh- she certainly can... But she certainly showed in this game, as well as the Australia game, how dangerous she is with a ball at her feet. Um, not quite to the degree that Lavelle is, but pretty close at times. Uh, and so I think Mewis also made a little bit more of an argument for her being on the field. So lots of wrinkles, lots of question marks, um, but a, a really deep and dangerous team that uh can score a bunch of goals on just about anyone on their day. So many goals. Jill Ellis was quoted as saying that, you know, why why pass the ball around? We want to pass to penetrate. It's a very direct style of play that we saw in both of these games. In the first, it led to, you know, a little bit of leakiness. Uh, and in the second, it didn't. But I think that says more about Belgium than it does about the U.S., um, is this how is this the is this how we want to win? It's a lot of goals from free kicks, a lot of headers, a lot of long passes. Um, that you know that for for some that's that maybe is not the most beautiful game, but six nil is hard to argue with. Kwame, is this how you want to win? Uh, I mean, I want to win in any way we can. I think that Belgium. I think what happened in this game is that the U.S. quickly realized that Belgium could not handle us at all on set pieces. Uh, So I think the team adapted on the fly a little bit and and said, "Okay, this is Belgium's weak spot. We're going to hit it and hit it and hit it until they can't take it anymore. Um, So I don't think this is necessarily the approach we're going to take that this signals the approach we're going to take in the World Cup. I think this is a takeaway of uh, how ruthless this team potentially can be. Um, and and you saw that. Uh, you know, it's very rare to see that many headed goals off of set pieces that early in a game. The U.S. took it to Belgium. Um, how I want this team to play um, is, I think, a broader question. I don't think that we're a team that you know, is set up for tiki-taka, um, lots of quick passes, lots of possession. Um, I think that when we do have a lot of possession, it's when other teams are sitting back against us rather than us passing them to depth. Um, but I do think that our athletic ability uh, and um, tendency to take people on one-on-one and break down defenses that way is very much in the DNA of this team. Uh, when we do need to have more intricate passing sequences, uh, Lindsay Horan is very key to that. I think Rose Lavelle, the introduction of Rose Lavelle, probably was an attempt to have more passing and intricate play and and one twos and um, and breaking down of other teams. And she's certainly very good at that. But I am starting to question more and more whether or not that is the best fit for the DNA of the team, uh, especially against other good teams that are going to attack us that aren't going to sit back. And whether, um, as we saw perhaps in the Australia game, 
whether when she's not having a great day offensively, her defensive liabilities um, cost the team too much. So there were some question marks coming into this game. Who's, uh, you know, question marks included, who's the best uh, backup keeper going into the World Cup and who's, who's going to be the right back? These are, these are things we were wondering about before both of these friendlies. And, I, and, and I'm, I, I'm now curious to see, do you feel like those questions were answered? Uh, another question mark coming into this was the Carly Lloyd, where does she... Where's her best position? What's her role on this team going into the World Cup? Obviously part of the roster, but how do we utilize her? Uh, so those three, do you feel like we got answers to those questions in these friendlies? Uh, we got more information. I don't know if we have answers. Uh, so for this game, Ali Krieger started at right back. And, um, you know, as we discussed before, she's a veteran of the team. Um, I think she had a decent game. I think it's hard to gauge too much um, from this game based on the opponent. And really, I think Belgium really, I think maybe had one shot on goal the entire game. Uh, So Krieger was good. um, But, you know, it's hard to say how she would do against France or Australia based on this game. Uh, But I think, you know, she certainly didn't look out of place or overmatched and we wouldn't expect that so i think you know she's another possible solution but i don't think we have anything definitive to take away um the what were sorry what were the other questions you so asked? the other one is uh a listener ashlyn harris oh right and yeah what's our backup goalie do we do we have an answer for the backup goalie question yeah so ashlyn harris um got the start in this game uh, again, hard to say too much. She wasn't really tested. Um, I think that based on the appearances that Jill Ellis has, about the number of times that she's appeared for the team, I think she is the number two in Jill Ellis's mind um, to Alyssa Nair. Uh I don't think that we can take too much away from this game, but I think that that's probably the case. Um, Adriana French, uh, who we discussed last episode, uh, has a knee injury, uh, so she couldn't have played anyways. So whether or not she's the two or Harris is the two, uh, again, we can't really say. Uh, and then for Carly Lloyd, this was, a, I think, a very uh, typical Carly Lloyd game. Uh, she's a two goals. freaking tank out there. She's like when she really gets going, she just is is a is like a cannonball. She was think, she was slide tackling for everything. She was she was like heated up. Yeah, Carly Lloyd um, is an excellent player, but I've always thought is also something of a streaky player. Uh, there are games where no one can handle her. Uh, athletically, creatively, um, when she gets into the box and her will to score, you just sort of can't stop her. And then there are other games where she's not quite as effective. The goals she scored and the assists that she had in this game... Versus Belgium. Versus Belgium. uh, I don't think are changed my mind in terms of where she's best suited in in that these were really goals um, uh, that... 
you would expect a withdrawn striker or attacking midfielder to score. Not really a central a central attacker replacement for Alex Morgan um, type goals. Or to say it in a separate way, um, this performance by Carly Lloyd, I think it shows the ways where she can be the most devastating. Um, off of free kicks, creating with Alex Morgan, um, but I do, still don't see her necessarily as ideally a central attacker in a front three, the way that Alex Morgan could be, the way that even maybe Kristen Press could be. Uh, I do see her best as in combination or competing with players athletically off of set pieces. So we got we 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 don't have full on answers, but we have a guess at what Jill Ellis might do in some cases, and we definitely we these friendlies were we can say for sure were were used to great effect to learn about what's going on to put on a a, a genuinely entertaining sports event. Um, it was dope, if I may say, from a general perspective. Um, there is no and at the risk of sounding you know problematic or something there there is i've watched mostly men's soccer in my life and uh you know i've seen the the women's team play in the world cup but i'm I'm still learning about this side of the game and i gotta say there is no perceivable difference in the entertainment value of these matches versus other versus like men's matches i've seen there's no difference at all. So anybody out there who's still feeling iffy maybe or or you know weird just just turn the tube on when this team is playing cuz it's it, it is a sight to see and these are some really talented players and they're wearing our colors. Um so that very basic point having been said, we've we're now kind of looking forward to uh a few more friendlies, just a few before the actual World Cup. So those are going to come, three of them, uh, in the middle of May. And stay tuned for that. That's the next time this pod will, will be joining with your ears. Um, so as we move out of this uh, camp, what do we need to see still? What are, the, what, what, are, what, what are we still wondering about? Things that we're still, we're still a little unsettled about moving, uh, and that things that we need to get answered in these last few friendlies before the World Cup. Well, um, I think that the friendlies that we have coming up are probably going to be, in terms of the opponents at the level of Belgium. Uh, and so when thinking about what this team needs to do in order to win the world cup, because that's the goal, that's the goal of, you know, anyone you ask that's connected with this team, fans, players, U S soccer. Uh, I think we have to maybe focus a little bit on what we saw in Australia and see if we can fine tune it against these upcoming opponents. So for Australia, as we said before, we gave up a lot of goals. We scored a lot of goals. We, what we want to see in the friendlies building up to the World Cup is a set lineup uh, and more solidity and more coordination with the back line. Uh, so questions are going to be, you know, are people recovered from injury? Who do we have available? Is Kelly O'Hara going to be back and available at right back? If not, do we want Emily Sonnet at right back? Do we want Crystal Dunn at right back? 
Um, at left back, do we want Crystal Dunn there? Um, Tierna Davidson came in against Belgium and got the start, and I thought actually it was her best game since suffering her ankle injury uh, earlier this year. So uh, do we want Davidson at the left back and Dunn at the right back? But whatever Ellis decides, I think she's going to have to run out that defensive line game after game after game because you want them a well-oiled machine yeah. going into the World Cup. Uh, in the midfield, I think she's going to have to decide, again, based against the game on Australia, what the midfield alignment is going to be and the personnel. Uh, does she want a flat central three does she want to shore up the defense by playing two defensive midfielders and having sort of a double pivot with uh haran and Ertz most likely uh does she want samantha mewis in there instead of lavelle uh which is what i would personally i think argue for um but she's got to decide on that uh and then you know the attack we know pretty much um, but who is going to be the substitutes uh, given on the situation? Uh, so I want to see a team in the next set of friendlies that's knows rounding into shape. Uh, I do think that there has been a certain amount of gamesmanship that Ellis has been um, involved in when we've been playing Australia and France. Uh, she's having to balance getting uh, more or less a starting lineup on the field, but also not showing her full hand, um, knowing that there's a good chance that she may be seeing these teams in a few months and wanting to have wrinkles. And so part of the U.S. flexing into so many different lineups or perhaps doing unusual substitutions uh, has been a desire to not to, to retain it at the element of surprise. But I think that that's probably got to fall away in the last set of friendlies. Um, and to be almost boring with our our substitutions and lineups. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. And it it seems like the the goals are coming from the 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 it's a, the gift and the curse of this team, which is being direct, being powerful, and being sort of uh, just explosive. Um, but along with that, you know, you get five goals when you do that, but you also get moments where center backs and, and defensive central midfielders could s- potentially slow down a little bit and just mm-hmm. take a beat to collect themselves before, um, you know, going forward. And and a lot of that has to do, I think, with that, uh, uh, the solution to that problem, I think, has something to do with that emotional security of knowing that you have your place you have the starting lineup, and so instead of uh, being sort of high octane all the time, you're able to put the pause button on just for those crucial moments of transition. Um, does what do you think about that thought? I mean, it's like the it, the intensity is what's bringing us success, but that same intensity can turn into a, a little bit of a frantic nature at times. Um, I think about it slightly differently. Uh, I do think that, yes, this is a very intense team and it's a very confident team. And so it is a team that I think sometimes gambles, um, is sure that in a 50-50 ball that they're going to be the one that gets to the ball. Um, that's part of built out of their own confidence and, um, elite athleticism. Uh, but I think sometimes we get burned by that 
when other teams can match us with that when we say, oh, yeah, I'm getting to that ball. And then, oh, no, I didn't. Uh, and then we're caught out of position a little bit. And I think that happened a bit against Australia. Even though we've played Australia, we know how good they are. I think there is a time in which sometimes we can get aggressive and, and out of position and then hit on the counterattack. Uh, and we're also perhaps not as good at the tactical foul as we should be because we're used to being able to make up for our mistakes. We're used to having a back line that really um, has enough pace to run with anyone and so can um, can run down mistakes or um, catch up with someone who's through on goal. Um, we're used to, as I said, winning the tackle. Um, and so we're not used to the oh no, this uh, this counterattack is really going to put us in trouble. I'm going to pull this person's arm around the center circle and take the yellow card, but stop the counterattack. Um, Megan Rapino actually comment, made that comment uh, after a friendly uh, a few games back, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. So turning that ruthlessness not just into an attacking sense, but a little bit of, you know, um, gamesmanship uh, and game management as well. Uh, is something that I think would like to see and might uh, really bear fruit for this team. Yeah, a little, uh, a little but, bit of practicality is is important uh, at times. Uh, what were you going to say? Yeah, and I would say, uh, echoing that practicality, um, you know, can we be perhaps a little bit more practical in our midfield formation? Uh even if we have a relatively defensive midfield formation, even if we have two defensive midfielders instead of one, I don't think we give up that much in terms of attack just because of our personnel and because of the attacking capacities of whoever we're going to put in the defensive midfield spot. I mean, if we put Haran and um, and Ertz at the defensive midfield spot, both of them can score a lot of goals. Uh, if we put Mewis there, they can, she can score a lot of goals. Um, if we put McCall Zerboni there, uh, she can get forward. So uh, I think that the DNA of this team is definitely very attacking. I don't think that changes if we put ourselves in a somewhat defensive formation, um, although, but it has to be the right one. Yeah, it may, and and a lot of these goals are coming from just you know a couple links. It's like you said, it's definitely not a ticky tacky style. It's it's mm-hmm. you get the ball up, so someone does something amazing and passes it to one other player, and they do something mm-hmm. amazing, and all of a sudden the, the the ball's in the back of the net, and it happens in the blink of an eye. And I I think yeah. I tend to agree with you that that if the problem is in preventing goals. It it might be worth it to to set the formation in that way. There there are just a slew of formations that this team is presenting, and it yeah. is tough to follow when there's six sub six or seven substitutions in these friendlies. It's it's crazy what this team is drilled for. They they come in the the formation switch. The players are switching positions, and they there there's no confusion. There's no they they know exactly what they're doing, and it's really phenomenal to see that this team can do anything yeah they really can um they really have a a capacity to change to a lot of formations to have people in a lot of different positions and and be um comfortable or at least you know know what their what their role is um 
and that certainly has the capacity to disorient another team um, if they're trying well, to figure as well as a, out as well as a uh, a, a podcaster new fan <laughs> right as well as an observer it's like why is Tobin Heath there when she was there a second ago I'm so confused and um, yeah that that certainly can happen uh, and you know part of it is just sort of going with it and uh, and seeing what this team is trying to do you know, are they pressing? Are they not? Um, it's pretty. It's pretty exciting to watch. I think the, um, you know, the concern is, are we going to get caught flexing into a formation um, and get caught either in transition or another team, you know, sort of sees it and, but isn't bothered by it. Um, they just sort of keep doing what they do, uh, and 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 solves us as opposed to us being in one thing and constantly keeping them on the back foot because we're so good at what we're doing. Uh, it's, it's hard to say. I will also going back to the Australia game a little bit. There's one, there's many goals in that game. There's one goal in particular that sticks out to me that uh, shows how tricky the U S is to defend against. Um, and it was the goal that Mallory Pugh scored. Uh, and it comes off of a a beautiful set of passes. So this is Mallory Al- Pugh's first goal. This is Mallory Pugh's first goal. So Alex Morgan gets the ball, I think, off of a throw-in from Emily Sonnet, and she drives towards the top. She's she's driving towards the top of the penalty area, uh, and it looks like she's trying to line up a shot on her left foot, which is her preferred foot. And Australia is really concerned about this, not just because Alex Morgan's really good, but the goal that they just gave up, Megan Rapino was doing the exact same thing from the other side, driving towards the top and then turned on her favorite foot and shot. Uh, and so Alex Morgan is heading towards to doing the same thing. But knowing that Australia just got burned that way, she drives towards the top, but instead of shooting does this quick, beautifully disguised back heel pass to Emily Sonnet, uh, totally throws off the defense who's been over-pursuing. Emily Sonnet turns and then slips in a pass to Mallory Pugh, who's overlapping. Mallory Pugh's open on goal, shoots and scores at the far post. Uh, And so totally taking advantage of other teams' fears about the u.s in that oh this individual player is going to take us on and score and then instead doing these sets of disguise passes and pulling the the team apart so you really can't prepare for just one thing that the u.s does and you really can't tell who's the player that we're going to send in on goal Uh, i will say that also another thing that perhaps and i know i'm sort of talking in a, in a sort of stream of consciousness a little bit. But one thing that I think I would really like to see uh, from this team that I haven't really seen so much is that if Crystal Dunn is going to be at left back, and she probably will be from what we've seen, I would really like to see her overlapping with Megan Rapino more. Mm. That's really something that I think is terrifi- would be terrifying to just about any opponent is Megan Rapinoe with the ball at her feet 
and Crystal Dunn overlapping uh, outside of her. Yeah, man. And the defense having trying to decide what to do. That is terrifying, especially if you look at the uh, second goal versus Belgium in which Crystal Dunn, um, not overlapping because she was playing a different position, but Mm -hmm. in that area that you're describing, takes on three defenders Mm -hmm. and, and... uh, sort of like he- she she hesitates, she fades left, she fades right, she finds space somehow. And imagine if you're if you're having to choose between defending that and def- defending Megan Rapino, the illustrious. I mean, what do you do? Yeah, it it is a it, you know would be a dilemma for any defense. You know, I've been puzzled for a while as to why we haven't seen it more, not just in these recent games, but uh, games going back over the past year or so i think it has to do perhaps with the type of space that megan rapino likes to take up um and then also crystal dunn adapting to the left fullback position and having to learn it on the fly a little bit because in this game against belgium rapino was actually out with a calf strain and so i think crystal dunn had more um and she was also playing more of a midfield position but uh you know that's her natural um, predisposition, I think, is to attack and to attack into those spaces. And so I hope that that's something that we do see moving forward. Yeah, maybe in Australia, we may be seeing so, an overcompensation yeah. there where she's she's playing a new position, she's figuring it out. And there's also been this uh, this concern of goals allowed uh, by the U.S. And so, yeah, maybe an overcompensation at the at the at the cost of losing, you know, Crystal Dunn's uh, greatest strength, which is, which is cutting it up over there in the on the offensive, yeah. uh, you know, wide areas. Yeah, I think there's also still building up their understanding um, between Rapino and uh, and Dunn. Um, I think it was interesting in the Australia game that uh, Emily Sonnet was the fullback that was getting forward much more um and successfully as we said before you know she despite being pretty um responsible for australia's first goal uh you know she also had two um assists and was really integral in the mallory Pugh goal in an offensive uh way but emily sonnet was you would expect maybe her to be the fullback that stays back and krista dunn the one that gets pushed forward but that's not what we saw um you know that may have had to do with australia's formation and strengths or just what ellis wanted to see uh wanted done to work more on her defensive positioning you know hard to say um i will also uh, shifting gears again a little bit i think we've talked a lot about the competitiveness of this team i think it's also really worth talking about the togetherness of this team and the uh, kind of particular playful team spirit that this team has. Uh, and I think about that at this moment because of how integral Emily Sonnet appears to be in that. Uh, if you follow the various members of this team on Instagram or uh, any of the videos that U.S. Soccer has put forward, uh, you'll see Emily Sonnet kind of in the midst of everything, Um in terms of, uh, That's awesome. you know, team hangouts or like, uh, you know, sort of dance videos that they'll do or things on the team bus. So I think she's very much part of the glue of this team. She's very tight 
with Lavelle and Haran and Pew. And it, it seems to be a very tight team in general, but in terms of keeping things very loose and playful, uh, she is very much a part of that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I know I can relate to that for sure. I, you know, work, working in restaurants, sometimes I, you know, I feel like I'm kept around, not necessarily for my restaurant skills. Nothing, not not saying anything about Emily Sonnet's, uh, you know, footballing abilities. Um, there is a lot to be said for being that glue and 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 contributing to the the team spirit and the team ethos. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of glue people on this team, um, but uh, you know, some people shine on that a little bit more than than others perhaps in the way that sort of you know sort of presented you know Mallory Pugh I would say Samantha Mewis um uh but it's a very it's a very tight team that sort of celebrates together very much uh, so that's that's also that's also key in getting through a tournament right where you're going to have uh difficult stretches you're going to have moments where things aren't going your way and you know the team spirit is really something you need to draw on, but also that you can't get overly tense, right? You can't uh, you can't tense up and freeze in the moment. You have to stay focused, but also loose. And I think this team is also very set up to do that. Any final thoughts here, Kwame, before we close it? Uh, no, I think I would probably just repeat what we've been saying is that, you know, this team uh, is coming into a very difficult tournament. Um, they still, I think, should be considered the favorites, but I think... Our other big rivals will look against this. Look at this game against Australia, um, where we had a chance to maybe make a really big statement um, and really take them apart. Um, and I think they'll look at this game and say, mm, "Australia, three goals against the U.S. and didn't play that well. You know, we, you know, we can take on this team." So, um, I think that we do have definitely some things to work on but uh if they do fall into place um you know everyone should still be afraid of us folks i i love uh little candies you know there's 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 medium-sized candies like like snickers there's there's big candies which if you if you count it like a black and white cookie you know but then there's those those tiny candies like those uh there's sour powders and pop rocks, and and I, I like the tiny candies. Um, I also like cooking food in advance because you never know what's going to happen, and your raw stuff might, you know, go downhill a little bit throughout the week. So, so just cook it all, just cook it up, and eat it when you're ready. And lastly, I love these. These are all food related. I wonder why. Uh, I love a open flame stove top. That's what's up. But I don't love any of that stuff as much as I love the gnats. Let's go. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people.